You're listening to Smash the Bottom Line with Maddie Brown. Hi, this is Maddie Brown with Smash the Bottom Line, and we are here today to talk with my friend and colleague, Candace Doniolo. And she has a fabulous business based upon our furry friend's dogs. The name of her business is Dogaholics. And she has had tremendous success in the pet industry, both as a retail, a service, and as a coach helping people build their own businesses. So she's got a lot of variations in what she does, and I think you're going to really enjoy hearing what Candace has to say today. Welcome, Candace. Thank you for taking the time to to do this. I appreciate it. No problem, Maddie. You know, I love you. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I love you too. We, we, we have a mutual thing going on. So, so talk to me about how you define success. What does that mean to you, Candace? Well, I think, you know, success is different for each person. Um, some people like the security of having, you know, money in their bank account and, some people like to enjoy their time and have time off. And so, you know, for me, I like to have both. Absolutely. <laughs> I think, I think it's, it's, uh, you know, definitely possible, but I know that entrepreneurs are, you know, a lot of people, not even entrepreneurs, if you feel like all of us are just so busy and stretched thin. And so success for me is, I guess, figuring out how you can really leverage everything you do and um, have, make the best use of your time and also, um, you know, create the lifestyle that you want. That's success for me. But it's truly different for each person and needs to be unique to each person because that's what's going to motivate you and drive you is if you are you know, seeing success in your own life. How did you get started in business? How what was your what was your impetus to get in business for yourself? So it started when I was in like third grade and got in trouble for selling stickers in the playground. Um <laughs> 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 uh, that is a true story. <laughs> but um no, I don't know. I guess I was I was really raised um, you know, in an environment where it was entrepreneurship was encouraged and we had a lot of people in our family who either, you know, were self-employed and they maybe that they were tile layers or in construction or, um, you know, uh, hairstylists even. But but there were some other bigger businesses. And I think I was just, you know, really encouraged that I could go out there and lead people and build a business. And uh, and so that was, that was an amazing difference I think I had growing up that most people don't have. Um, but... I kind of fell into it because, you know, I always thought I wanted to work in corporate America and I really wanted to be in advertising and I got a degree in in it and I got a job at like the company that I really wanted to work at in downtown Chicago. It was uh, Leo Burnett, like one of the biggest ad agencies around really. And um, I got that job and sat in that cubicle and worked in that corporate environment on the 35th floor of a 55-story building for about six months and then I was like, this is not what I want to do at all. No, I, I wanted to, you know, be a little bit more physical, have my hands involved in more things. And um, so I ended up following, falling out of that corporate job and painting murals for kids rooms because I had this art background. 
And then while painting murals for kids' rooms to get clients, I worked at a children's furniture retail store called Land of Nod um, to get clients because, you know, if, if a person needs a mural painter for their kid's bedroom, they're likely buying furniture. Like, they're likely redoing the bedroom, right? Yeah. So it was a good kind of, like, natural location to find clients. And then, and I did, and then I realized that about working in retail at that store that I really loved retail and merchandising and helping customers. So when an opportunity came upon to work at a dog bakery boutique in Chicago, I jumped at the chance because it was with my friend and I was able to kind of work with her in that environment and practice playing with someone else's business. <laughs> really, I mean, at that time, I, by that time, I was only 24. And so I hadn't, I hadn't, you know, I only stayed in corporate America for six months. And then I went, you know, for a couple of years and did the mural painting thing. And now at 24, then I was, you know, basically playing business with one of my friends' um, businesses that they had bought. And I really loved it. I, you know, got to help grow the business. And at the age of 26 is when I kind of realized that I either needed to be doing this for myself um, or I needed to go do something else. And, you know, I ended up writing a business plan and coming up with Dogaholics. And I opened my first store at 26. And then I grew to three locations. And, you know, the rest is kind of a de <laughs> over a decade worth of history. <laughs> well, you know, and, and it, it, it suffice to say that, that she's a seven-figure business owner. So when she says she built a business, she built a business. No hands down about it and you you've got the, the dedication and the commitment to make that happen is amazing so you're kind of a serial entrepreneur then you've been in you've been in a number of different businesses yeah he's <laughs> interesting i think <laughs> yeah well and and I know now, in addition to the to the pet industry, you're also involved in the coaching industry. Yeah. How did how did that happen? Well, you know, when I was at rock bottom in my own business, because it's you know, <laughs> owning a business is like a roller coaster. There's ups and there's downs. And when I was at the very bottom part of it, um, I was uh, really struggling, and I hired a coach and consultant who had expertise in retail. Because, you know, I got into it because I was passionate about it. I loved it, but I really didn't know how to run a retail store. And so um, it was really important to learn. You know, you don't, you don't know what you don't know. And so once you start to become a better leader and business owner and look at the numbers more, you know, things make a big shift. So we saw a massive shift over about a two-year period when I started getting support and help. Fast forward about four more years later, maybe five more years later, I was ready to sell my retail assets, and I didn't have to. It was more like, you know, the right buyer was coming around at the right time, and I wanted to jump on the opportunity. And so I, I was able to sell my business, and in the process of selling the business, I realized, or I guess became aware because of um, being, I guess, more exposed to other repet retailers that were also trying to sell their businesses or kind of now, now that I was no longer a competitor of some people once it was sold, I just became more aware of the struggles that a lot of brick and mortar retailers face. And I, what was interesting is at the same time I sold my business, 
my two nearest competitors closed their doors. And I thought, wow. well, why was I able? Yeah, I, why, it was really, for me, like, very powerful because I thought, well, why was I able to walk a bit away with a bunch of money and they didn't get anything except whatever assets they could sell to the public, right, at a discount? Yeah. And as I started looking at the systems and the processes and the things that we did, um, I then understood that there was so much that people don't know when they go into business for themselves. And so the coaching, the, the coaching for me and offering coaching and consulting to currently the pet industry, but, you know, my goal is to open it up to all brick and mortar retailers is that, um, you know, we are stronger together and there's so many things that um, need to be happening for a business to run well. And a lot of times, one, we don't know what they are or there's so many, you know, balls that we're juggling or plates that we're spinning, especially in retail, that we lose, it's easy to lose focus. And you're just putting out the fires or dealing with the situations that are right in front of you. And um, you're not looking at the whole business like holistically. So I find that now I'm actually like more passionate about business and helping Main Street USA and keeping local communities thriving and strong. I'm more passionate about that than I am about dogs. <laughs> I love dogs, absolutely, but um, this is my much more like near and dear cause to my heart. Cool. So, so talk to me about what what you're doing now. Then, how <clears throat> who do you, who do you work with, and and what do you teach them? Yeah. So now I have a coaching and consulting community called Pet Boss Nation. And we are um, basically, I'm providing a space and a place for independent brands and independent retailers that work in the pet industry to come together and really move from their passion for pets to becoming a profitable business. And we do it through a variety of ways. You know, people can work one-on-one with me um, for their inventory planning or um, some strategic planning. But I also offer a monthly, monthly group coaching program called the Pet Boss Club. And that's a really low price point, kind of like easy to get into, get some access to some business tips and tools and tricks. But really, I think how we help people the most is that we offer um, better, not better solutions, but we just kind of listen to what the need is. And I, I'm, I think I'm really good at like tapping into opportunities that are already in their business that they are not utilizing. And just giving them some tips and strategies around how to maximize what they already have and that they've kind of forgot is an asset of theirs. And getting them to engage that, let's say like that list. Like an example would be, I find a lot of our clients, and I think that it's just probably the same for almost every business, but a lot of them are so focused on getting new business, right? Like spending money on social media or spending money on ads and really trying to get new business when they're forgetting about the people who already work with them. And there's so many things you can already use your own client list for to check in and see how many people are you converting from that list or how long has it been since someone has worked with you or shopped with you? How can you build a referral business through your current customer base? You know, there's already a lot of things you can leverage in your existing business without having to go spend a bunch more money to get new people. So that's really where I think we kind of help, where we help people. In the, in the club is just to get a little bit more strategic so that they can grow their sales. And and your your customers currently are are mostly in the pet industry. 
but you mm-hmm. expect to expand into into further retail activities then? Yeah, I would love to. I have uh, I, I have a book that is um, a new book. You can get it on Amazon right now, but it's, it, depending on when you're listening to this, it might be in a pre-order phase or maybe it will already be released. But it's called uh, Retailer Rehab, 12 Weeks to a Stronger, Healthier Brick-and-Mortar Store. So, oh. yeah, I would love, you know, to, I think the, the same principles apply whether, no matter what the industry is. It's just that my experience has been in pets, and so I really want to help this community first. Yeah, that is awesome. So, if you were to if you were to pick two or three things that you think have really helped you to be successful, what what characteristics would they be? Um, you what know, I, I think that yeah, things. So I'm. I, yeah, I, I, for one, I kind of talked about it a little bit, but um, building your list, like building your building your list and your leads. Um, I have again found, and I feel like I hear that word a lot in the coaching world. You know, like they do that; they talk about that a lot in digital marketing. Is that you need to build your list? Uh-huh. But for brick and mortar businesses or any service based business, they also need to be building their list and collecting data and information about their customers and um, marketing to them because those are that's how you get a hold of get a hold of your customers to either let them know about um, new, something new that you're offering or selling or if you need to make an announcement to them or you want to again kind of build the line of communication of them getting to love you and like you and trust you and what is shocking to me again just for the work I've been doing now with all of these businesses is how few people actually get collect emails or phone numbers like they really don't have a way to communicate other than on, like putting a post on Facebook with their yeah. customers it's shocking and so I would say that in my success I mean we have been collecting emails phone numbers I mean it's been the success for dogaholics over the years and it's been success with pet boss nation you know um, it is now like one, I, I convert more people to purchase from me because of that are on my list than cold traffic let's say coming in, right? That so, is that is really yeah. interesting to mm-hmm. to think in terms of a brick and mortar still needs a list and a means mm-hmm. of communicating with their clients. And that that's a perspective that I I think is growing and um becoming more and more important on a regular basis. Definitely, yeah. I, I think it's, it's underutilized because a lot of um, small business owners get annoyed, you know, don't want to feel like they're bothering their customer by communicating with them <laughs> too much. But, um, you know, it's, it's really a mind share thing. You know, if you have to be, you know, the customers are already getting an insane amount of emails. And so if you're only emailing your customers once a month, you know, your, your email is going to get buried. So you have to be communicating with them regularly, but it needs to be about things that they would want to hear about anyway. I mean, you shouldn't have spam people, but there's so much good content that can go out there. And so that's why I love I love email marketing. And actually, email marketing is still the number one driver of retail sales today. Is it really? So, yeah. Even and if you were to survey, <laughs> this is brick and probably all brick. It could be dentist office. I mean, all brick and mortar, like. I guess well, I'll reach the number one driver for retail sales. Well, so it could be even online, but um, it is 
which is so shocking because if you ask a lot of brick and mortar stores who I work with, if you ask them if they collect their email, if they collect customers' emails, they're going to say no because they, they don't think the customer will give it to them. They're like afraid to ask. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that would lead to the to my to my I guess my other point. Uh, and I, I just actually heard this phrase, and it's not it's not new, but um, a cl- the, the phrase is a closed mouth don't get fed. And if you think about that in sales, like a closed mouth don't get fed. Now I know that's not proper grammar, but the concept of in sales you have to be talking to people, you have to be asking for the sale, you have to be asking for what you want so that you can make money to feed yourself, basically, right? Um, so if you're if you're not talking to people and whatever that talking looks like, then you're not going to be generating revenue. Yeah. And so you have to ask. So that would be my second point is don't be afraid to ask for whatever it is that you need. Yeah. Jack Canfield talks about asking, and he talks about the chicken soup for the soul books, and he was turned down by 130-plus publishers before that book, first book was ever published. Oh, wow. And if he had given up after two or three, he would not be the success that he is today. Right. Because he continued to ask. And, you mm-hmm. know, a, a lot of times people are waiting for you to ask, I think. They they don't want to intrude. And so they mm-hmm. they they kind of keep a distance. And then when you open the door for them, then they can walk in and they can they can be comfortable and confident coming in. Your store your store or your business has to welcome your customers into the store. And I know you've worked a lot with your employees on being forthcoming and talking to people and creating an environment that is fun and enthusiastic to work in. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry to know. Yes, we have. I mean, that's really... I, I like in, in business to think about it as it's like it's your house, it's your you know your home, and you're inviting people over for a dinner party or a you know sort of cocktail hour, and and you you know when someone comes into your house and says you know walks in and brings you something or says something, you're not going to just ignore them, right? You're going to <laughs> respond to them and give them a hug or start talking to them like they're friends and family, right? And, you know, the same goes for social media. If someone goes onto your Facebook wall and makes a comment on a post, that's like them coming into your house and saying, hi, I like you. I'm going to say something to you because I like you. And then a business just ignores and doesn't respond to that comment. You know, that's kind of like, I think all angles of business, you need to be thinking about it as like, this is your house and how you treat, you know, you have to treat the house with respect. (laughs) Same goes for business. How do you look at social media in connection with your list? You, how, how do you approach those two entities? Do you do it similarly or differently, and why? Oh, that's a, we could talk for hours on that topic. <laughs> um, yeah, I I like to use. So I mean, there's there's. One way that you can buy, you know, through social media, if you were to run Facebook ads or run ads, 
if you have the data of your customer, like their email or their cell phone number, you can export that information from your physical business, like, you know, system and import it into social media and send ads and target those people on their, so on the social media. So, um, that's one way that you'd be able to leverage your current list on social media. Okay. But, um, I think once you're actually in social media, there are ways where you can even use those platforms to collect and generate leads as well. And whether that's sending them to some sort of a free um, blog, or well, all blog posts are free, but like sending them somewhere that has um, relevant content that is, is your content. I think it's very important to produce your own stuff instead of sharing a bunch of other people's things. You know, with social media, it's like, that's again, your house, it's your page. And you want to be sharing what it's like about your business, um, either what you sell or what it's like to work with you or behind the scenes stuff. You know, you want to be engaging with people and showing them who you are instead of just being um, kind of like a, a media page that shares everything about everything else going on and sending people off to other places. Yeah. You know, so. Um, that, makes, that, makes, that makes sense. Thank you. So yeah. if if you were to if you were to give a starting business owner one piece of advice, what would it be? Okay, so starting out or somebody that wants to grow. Yeah, yeah. I you know, I I kind of and I I bring this up because I think it's been um it has been an issue in my own life, but I see it also a lot now with our customers, our clients, and I my recommendation would be that you know, we are, we are our biggest competitor, right? Like, I am my biggest competitor, not the next business coach to talk into pet industry people. Or the same thing with um, any kind of physical store. It's like, your competitor is not, I mean, technically, you know, I guess technically they are. Your competitor might be the internet and the competitor is a big box and the competitor might be another local shop in the, in the neighborhood. But I would encourage anyone who's like getting into businesses to not worry about what those people are doing or to feel like you're not as successful as they are, you know, cause I think on social media, it's easy to see like what your competitors are doing and what they're up to. And it can either motivate you or it discourages you. And really there is enough business out there for everybody. There's a lot of money in this world. There's a lot of potential. There's a lot of ways to grow. And if you can figure out a way to make your business like uniquely you and um, go at it from an angle that, you know, you believe in and are consistent with and continually pivot and tweak and just like really put your all in and only think about yourself as really getting, you know, getting, you're the thing that gets in the way of your own success, not somebody else. You know, it depends on how motivated you are to push towards those goals. And that's really what will help you succeed over, over anything. Awesome. Thank you. So mm -hmm. if, if someone wants to get in touch with you and get more information, how's the best way for them to do that? Sure. Well, they could email us at hello, that's H-E-L-L-O, at petbossnation.com. Or they can just visit the website, PetBossNation.com, or find us on Facebook. I mean, we're pretty accessible. So, yeah, I would love anyone's welcome to reach out, and I'd be happy to help you. 
thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. And I know you've, I know you've intrigued me with new ideas. And so I'm sure that you've intrigued our listeners. Thank you for taking your time and spending it with us today, Candace. Yeah, you're so welcome. I really enjoyed it. Smash the Bottom Line is sponsored by Smashing Numbers. Discover how to get your accounting in order, escape the cash flow trap, and finally enjoy a profitable business. Find out how at smashingnumbers.com.